Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thank you so much for listening. My guest today is James Fell. Before we get to my talk with James, I just want to take care of a little business. And that, of course, means the website. TravelTalesPodcast.com is where you can go to find links to all our social media right there at the front of the page. You'll see the symbols for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, iTunes, where you're listening maybe right now to me on iTunes. And if you are, please go to our page on iTunes and give us a little uh, love there, huh? Maybe a good rating, some stars, say a few nice things. It costs you nothing and uh, helps people find the show because it boosts our presence. And that's always a cool thing. So if you can do that, I would appreciate it. Maybe you're listening on Stitcher Radio. Go say some nice things there. Maybe you're listening on the site itself where you can go and see articles that I've written, articles that some of the guests have written, and some destinations I recommend, and also some photos of the guests and everything else. So go there, check it out. If you want to write me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Sorry this is coming in a day late. I have been on the road. Not just the road. I've been on train tracks. I've been in the air. Planes, trains, and automobiles. I went up to Canada to uh, take the Rocky Mountaineer train from Vancouver to Banff, Alberta. And it was beautiful. I'm going to have more on that later on, uh, probably the next episode, because uh, I haven't written the story yet. I will be getting to it. But let me just say, it was an awesome time. When the train ended in Banff, I... uh, spend a day in Banff, and then had to go to Calgary, where I was going to catch a flight. While I was there, I had a long wait in the airport, and it is a lovely airport. And I say that with sarcasm, because it's not a lovely airport in Calgary. Sorry, Calgary, but uh, it could use a little revamp in there. So I had a long wait, but while I was there, I said, hey, Let me contact my pal James Fell, who I met last year. Regular listeners of the show will remember that last year I took a uh, hike up a mountain in Vail, Colorado with llamas, and it was great. And James was a member of that trip, of the media on that trip. And um, he's a fitness writer. He's written a a book on uh, diet and exercise. He's a regular columnist for the LA Times and uh, numerous other publications, and uh, really has made this fitness thing his life. And he had contacted me a few months back about wanting to do the podcast, and I said, hey, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods. Let's get together. So he was nice enough to uh, come down to the Calgary airport where we sat in the terminal, and I recorded this on my little handheld recorder. So you're going to get a lot of the ambient noise of being in an airport, and I apologize for that, but I think it actually adds to a little bit of the ambiance. Travel show, why not record it in an airport? I've recorded on trains, I've recorded on airplanes, I've recorded on shuttle buses to the airport, 
Why not the terminal itself? And I want to thank James again for coming out and meeting me. And it was good to talk to him. We talked travel. We talked fitness, staying in shape while traveling, and uh, numerous other things. So I think you're going to like it. Here is my talk recorded live at the Calgary International Airport with James Fell. Enjoy. James Fell, author, athlete, diet expert, and and uh, what else? Blogger. Yep. Talking Sing, head on uh, what? Well, I've got a, a weekly radio bit and a monthly radio bit. I go on TV every once in a while. My my big column is called In Your Face Fitness for the Chicago Tribune. Um, it's syndicated and runs in about forty papers. I interview celebrities about their fitness stories. Um, I just interviewed the guitarist for Get Def Leppard a couple of days ago. Which guy? Uh, Phil Collin. Yeah, Phil Collin. Man, that guy's in great shape. Yeah, he is. He gave me a kickboxing display. Um, he he had a um, a punching bag that he takes on tour with him and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, really? And yeah, it's one of those uh, WaveMaster ones that you fill with water, and it's got like a guy's body on top of it. He calls him Bob, <laughs> and he kicked the crap out of him for me while I stood there and watched. It was pretty impressive. Well, he's got to have—he's got to be over fifty now. Yeah, easy, he right? said he was fifty-six, fifty-seven. Uh, he looks great. And well, yeah, he said that uh, it was a good thirty years ago that uh, he decided to quit drinking and go vegetarian and uh, when he when he didn't wake up with a hangover every day he had all this extra time and energy so he started jogging and then that just led turning into a fitness junkie and uh, he actually ended up going vegan four years ago oh wow so, well Def Leppard's a hard lifestyle you can't maintain it into your 50s it's rock not meant to rock and roll's a hard yeah. <laughs> so how did uh, you start in the fitness industry because that wasn't your main thing like for the last yeah. 20 years. I mean, I have an MBA. I worked in business for a dozen years. I kind of wanted to be a science fiction writer until I used my MBA skills to realize that there was no money in that mm-hmm. and uh, and realized that I was a former fat guy that had gotten in shape a little over 20 years ago and had seen so much bogus information in the fitness and health field that I thought this is something that I could write about and started six years ago and it just it took off that I got a column with AOL and I started getting recognized and I, I barely had to sell myself there were people coming to me saying we want you to write for us and it's just taken off from there what was the do you remember that one thing that you saw was that was the the tipping point not to use Malcolm Gladwell's uh, terminology, but that one thing that made you go, I got to get into this business to correct it. Was Um, this one diet or something that was just so wrong? You were like, no, I don't think that there was anything that really stood out as as being that wrong. It was, and this will probably sound terribly self-serving, but I just, I hated all the fitness writing that was out there and I became the fitness writer that I wanted to read. I just didn't, I thought that the information was either this, you know, macho testosterone fueled chest thumping kind of stuff, or it was um, this group hug, Oprah, warm, fuzzy, you can do it, girlfriend. <laughs> and I'm just like, barf, there's nothing entertaining. There's nothing witty and funny and sarcastic. And I mean, maybe I was reading the wrong stuff, but I just decided that, that, if I could give people a good message that was, you know, based on science and skeptical thinking and realism, that was also an entertaining read, that maybe some people would want to read it. And it turned out I was right. It took off. Right. Well, we met on a, uh, a travel press trip. Yeah. You were coming in from the fitness angle because we were hiking up a mountain. Yep. And uh, so for people who are, are out there, they like to travel. And if fitness is a main thing of their travel. 
where do you recommend and what are your, some of your favorite places? Um, you know, I, I think it doesn't really matter where you go. I was in uh, Milan, Italy, and you can tell that we're in the airport yeah, right we now. Yeah, we are. The, the background is flights getting announced and things like that. I think that's fitting for this podcast. Yeah, sure. Calgary Airport. Yeah. Uh, attention listeners, you will hear flight announcements. Yes. <laughs> so I was in Milan, Italy, and uh, I spent like eight or nine hours walking the entire city looking at churches. And my feet were just dog tired. I'm sure I had a massive caloric burn <laughs> for the day. And yet other times, you know, we took the um, the family to an all-inclusive club med in Cancun. And uh, at 6.30 in the morning, the birds start going apeshit and wake me up and so I would go for a nice long run so that you know to burn off the pina coladas poolside in advance (laughs) and you know so I think that a lot of people they do go to these all-inclusive type resorts or whatever and they just sit at the side of the pool and which I find boring you come I can't do it either yeah and so I would go for a run every morning and the ocean is right there I, I would always get up and go for swims and snorkeling and there are so many activities Activities that are all around you and, and not this boring poolside stuff where people just want to work on their skin cancer. Yeah. And so those are those are the types of things. And even when I was, you know, I was in Hanover, Germany on a, at a trade show and I decided, well, you know, the easiest way to see this city is just to run around it. And so I went for a 20 kilometer, well, sorry, about a 12, 13 mile run one day. Demo, like uh, I, I picked up running at 39 because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was never run. I was an athlete. I always played stuff, but I hated just jogging. Mm-hmm. It was just like it was too boring to me or something. And then the first thing I just like a bucket list thing. I tried to do a marathon, so I trained for six months. It was charity, you know. You raise money and that kind yeah. of thing. And so we trained for that. But I did it in Honolulu. Mm-hmm. So I did the Honolulu marathon. That's so a big part one. of it. Is like, well, I'm not only motivated to do this, but I can get to go to Honolulu. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. But you've been traveling a lot for mar- marathons, right? Yeah. Oh, well, I've done three. Okay. And uh, one was enough for me. By yeah. Like, <laughs> I like the half. I like the half as a good. Yeah, half is is definitely once you get up to about the 20 mile distance, your body really starts to fall apart. Yeah. But the the neat thing about marathons is that. Uh, there's not really any easy way to do it unless, you know, you're, you're some Kenyan where your life is, is all about it. And, you know, for me, I'm not really built like a marathoner, but being a fitness writer, I figured, okay, well, I got to do this. You know, I, got, I write about running all the time. How can I write about running if I've never done a marathon? And my, I, at the time, my column was at the Los Angeles Times. So I thought, well, normally, you know, Calgary has a marathon, which is in May. And I think, well, that's a stupid time of year for Calgary to have a marathon. <laughs> Because that means you have to train all winter long, mm-hmm. which I don't mind running outside in the snow, but it's hard to run fast and do your intervals. Yeah, are most not. of them in the fall, like September, October, well, November? It, it depends. Like. They're all over the map. I mean, we just had Boston last week, which was yeah. April. Um, but, you know, it, it, there, it really depends. You would think that Calgary would put theirs in the fall because, you know, then you get to train through the summer. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to judge them <laughs> on that. I'm, I've never run it and probably never will. Um but I decided to do the L.A. Marathon first, which is in March, so that I could write about it for the Los Angeles Times. 
and it, it's it was great to travel because if you're going to do something as big as run 26.2 miles you might as well make an event out of it yeah. it's just not like wake up one day and you know do your normal routine no make it make a big deal out of it <laughs> and it's really is a great way to see the city because most of these marathons a lot of planning goes into them in, oh, yeah. in order to make it not just you know, it's not just about logging the miles and getting your time and getting your medal. You are seeing lots of cool stuff. So did you do, in L.A., the, the newer route that started downtown and went all the way to Santa Monica? Yes. It's, okay, uh, it's called cool. the uh, Stadium to Sea yeah, Marathon. Yeah, because it used to just stay downtown, which is kind of like crappy. You know, you would yeah, see that like seems the Coliseum. <laughs> you know, you would go around and do a loop because they didn't no. want to, like, mess up traffic too much. Yeah. And, then, I and guess now this one goes through Hollywood and oh, yeah, all goes, the way through Santa Monica. It goes everywhere. So you start at Dodger Stadium. And, uh, you know, I think I did it in 2012. And we had some pussycat doll was bellowing out mm-hmm. the national anthem. And it was 23,000 people, wow. I think. So a lot of people. And you're all herded into these corrals. And uh, you go through China. I'm trying to remember here. You go through Chinatown and, uh, oh, yeah. and you know, Little Italy or whatever it's called. And you, you go, you get to see the Hollywood sign and um, all these iconic landmarks. I remember looking up and saying, oh, uh, Viper Room. That's right yeah. where River Phoenix died, right Sunset there. Strip. As I yeah, by. Sunset Strip. Yeah, it goes Hollywood Boulevard down to Sunset Strip and then through Beverly Hills and, yeah. and Brentwood and... Bel Air and, and the whole things, and yeah. then you end up in yeah the Walk of Fame. You get to see all that stuff, and then you you finish. You can see the ocean, and then you get to the ocean, and then it's like half a mile left, and you run right towards the Santa Monica Pier, and and uh, you're going to the sea, so you're going downhill. Yeah, it's a, a little nice... bit uphill, a little bit downhill, and one of the things that can be problematic is. Uh, a western headwind so it, it can slow you down a bit that year that i ran it it wasn't too bad um how was your time was, uh, well my goal for my first marathon which people told me was stupid was to break four hours and yeah. uh and i thought well i'm writing about it for the la times and uh i have proved that i'm a tough guy so <laughs> uh you know you know being this fitness writer dude stupid guy stuff so i did it in 352 Oh, that's and awesome. I was pretty happy with that. The one thing, the problem with going for a time like that is that you have a tendency to miss all of those iconic landmarks that I just mentioned. That I yeah. really only noticed a few of them. Like I noticed uh, the Hollywood sign. That one's pretty hard to Even miss. Even by the, like, the Chinese theater and, and the whole it's thing. Like, and, I, it's like you, know, you don't pay too much attention to it. Um, and then I noticed the Viper Room, and then you notice the ocean. You picked out the Viper Room of all those things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so weird. That yeah. And that's a small place. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then it got even worse for my second marathon in terms of not noticing what was going on. Where was that? That was in Victoria, British Columbia. Oh, okay. And I was actually born in Victoria. And the reason why I picked it was because... Um, I, I wanted to do one that was in the fall in order to qualify for Boston. Because as everyone knows, in 2013, there was the bombing. Yeah. And a lot of people wanted to be there for 2014 in order to, you know, take back the finish line. Yeah. And so I decided, well, I had to qualify in order to go. And Victoria is known as a, I wouldn't say an easy course, but easy enough and it wasn't right. too far for me to travel it's a you know it's an hour flight and uh 
and it's it's easy enough. A, a lot of people use Victoria as their qualifying marathon because you know you go down to sea level and allegedly you get a bit of an oxygen boost. I don't know that going from thirty five hundred feet to sea level is enough to help. <laughs> but anyway, that that was the one that I picked, and um, and because I I was going for a qualifying time for my age group, I need to needed to break three hours and twenty five minutes. And I trained my ass off all summer long in order to, to do this. And it's a beautiful route where, you know, you get to see all sorts of neat things. I didn't notice any of it because <laughs> the entire time I'm looking at my watch to make sure that I'm staying on pace. And the first half I was bang on pace and everything was great. And then the the second half, my body just started to fall apart. I made... I. I collapsed the last two feet before the finish line. I crawled the last two feet because oh my, I just, my quads gave out. I was just done for. I crawled the last <laughs> two feet. I qualified with 29 seconds to spare. And what, is, what, what was the qualification I needed, time? I needed a three hour, three hour twenty five minute qualifying Jesus, time. That's fast. It's eight eight miles an hour. So get on oh. a treadmill. Set it for eight miles an hour no, and thank you. run that for three twenty five. I run like five miles an hour, yeah. I think. I was a mess. I was I was just so destroyed after that that the whole trip it was all about just making that time. But when I went to Boston uh, the following um, spring, which was the year to be there, so normally Boston has about twenty two thousand or so runners. Well, they had way more in twenty fourteen because there was the people that didn't finish in twenty thirteen because right. of the bombing, and then there was they also expanded the field because there was so much demand that everybody wanted to be there, and uh, so. And they had double the number of spectators. So they had, normally they have about half a million spectators. Last year they had a million spectators. And it was a beautiful day. It it got up to about 70 degrees and it was sunny. Whereas just a couple of weeks ago it was cold and rainy and gross. Well, they got like 30, 40 inches of snow or some crazy thing. Yeah. I mean, it was was still snow on the ground? I don't think so. But looking, watching it on TV, it just looked cold and miserable. And everybody had umbrellas and all that. (laughs) And so, um, but this year, a lot of people consider Boston to be a victory lap, which basically means, well, I earned my time to get here. Now I can take my time. And I didn't want to hurt myself, and I wasn't as trained as well. So I snuck in just under four hours, but I enjoyed myself. I was like high-fiving little kids. Noticing yeah. the lo- noticing it was the such landmarks. A time to be there. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, there was the um, you know the the clock tower, and I I kissed a girl on the cheek at Wellesley <laughs> College, and and all those those landmarks that that are along the way. That it's a great way to see and experience the city, and uh, and so you, you know you're you're looking around and you're taking it all in. You're on foot, so it's going by fairly slowly that you can say oh there's that and there's that thing over there and and look at all these people cheering me on and see the iconic landmarks and then you cross the finish line and then you know let's go have a sam adams in a local pub and that's one of the great things about using marathons to travel is that you tie it to a specific event so that it always you know will kind of stay real with you forever was that not only did i go visit that city but i ran 26.2 miles i got a medal and then i earned my beer and went out and got hammered at a local (laughs) pub that night and that's one thing they do that in boston yeah i have never not 
um, gone out and gotten wasted at a pub after a marathon. <laughs> so in L.A., there was some Irish pub that I went to. I can't remember. And in Victoria, it was called the Sticky Wicket was the place oh, we went to. And um, and actually, we I ended up going back to... Uh, to Newton because um, that was where our hotel was uh, mm-hmm. back in Newton. My wife came with me for that trip. She was actually waiting for me right at the bottom of Heartbreak Hill, which is at about mile 20 where everyone starts to fall apart. Yeah. And so I went in for a, a hug and a kiss there. And uh, so I I don't have any future marathons planned, but if I do, it will be as a tourist where it's I, okay I qualified for Boston I ran Boston nothing more to prove now it's about what would be a really cool city to see oh yeah and like London or Paris or they even do one on the Great Wall of China that would be cool that would be pretty amazing I, I was think. in Buenos Aires and there was they were having Nike was sponsoring one I think down there and it was mm-hmm. uh, huge it was it was great yeah, yep. some of these are just gigantic, and New York Marathon is uh, well, yeah, is an enormous one. That's hard to get in, isn't it? Like, yeah, I mean, for me, I could probably play the writer card, and they might yeah. they might get me in. They have um, New York. I think you either have to go through a brutal qualifying standard, way harder than Boston, or, it's like or, a or a, yeah, it's a lottery. Yeah. But for me, I could probably play the writer card, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of travel, and if you're a fitness guy. One of the biggest complaints people have, uh, especially business travelers, that it's hard to stay in shape and eat so much crap, especially in airports and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking at my choices here. <laughs> it's yeah. not a lot of healthy choices here. So, do you give advice on like how people can stay in decent shape it, on the road? You know, staying in shape on the road, getting your workout in on the road, is a lot easier than eating well on the road. Um, because one of the bits of advice that I give is uh, in my my book about weight loss is that you got to get most of your calories from the grocery store and prepare it at home. Anytime that you eat out, uh, it's it doesn't matter where it is. There's a good chance that it's going to be loaded with sugar, fat, and salt, and high in calorie, and just taste really good. And and it's just so hard to um, keep your calories under control when you're on the road. So one of the things I try and do is say, okay, well, the hell with it. Um, I realize my diet's gonna gonna go to crap for a bit, but exercise a lot, and that is one of the great things about being a runner, is that you can do it pretty much anywhere. And you, any hotel you check in, you talk to the concierge, and you say, "What's a good running route?" They will have a map, almost guaranteed, because they've had that question a thousand times. Right. And you know, say, "Oh, here's a five k route, here's a ten k route." And, and how about for uh, the non-runners though? That because like before I ran. Yes, I can always bring my shoes. Yeah, and you can just go out the door. But it's harder when you're not a runner. Well, and you know, gym walk- facilities are very they vary yeah. greatly. In hotel hotels. gyms suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes they're you know you can scope it out in advance if you have a a gym membership at a franchise like a 24 hour fitness or a Bali's or yeah. whatever. Chances are you can work out at any gym. So if there's one close by, you can do that. Uh, or there's um, you know you could. You could take some time out and go for a hike, or even you know, just walking. It is a good way to stay. I'm a big walker. Walking's underrated. A lot of people think that it has to be hardcore CrossFit till you puke type of stuff yeah. in order to get a physical benefit out of it. But the reality is, walking is the number one uh, form of exercise in the world. More people use it to stay in shape than anything else. Yeah, I walk more than uh, pretty much anyone I know in LA. And because I always like yeah. to, I guess I lived in cities, long real cities. I lived in New York, Chicago. Yeah. It's like I need to walk the things. I hate the thought yeah. of New York's having a walking to get city. into my car just to go get a coffee or something or go yeah. to the bank. 
you know, so I always have to live in a neighborhood where I can walk this stuff. So I love that. Yeah, I interviewed um, Hugh Jackman a while ago, and uh, and he's, that guy's in good shape. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said a, a big part of his cardio, you know, everybody knows him for his weightlifting routines and getting all buff to play Wolverine. <laughs> but he said especially when he's in New York, a big part of his cardio is just walking around a lot. And uh, and another part is playing with his kids. And he said, you know, being a dad to two kids is that's a workout right there. Yeah. And I'm a father to two kids as well. And I'm like, yep, you're right. Yeah. No travel. I mean, I never walk more than when I'm traveling. It's my favorite thing to do. Is just like I'm, I'm notorious for like as soon as I check into the hotel, especially any city in the world, I just throw my bags in. Usually I'm jet lagged anywhere, so you mm-hmm. just gotta walk it off, and you just kind of like walk around the neighborhood, and you get a feel of the city just walking around and, yeah. like the neighborhoods the people the, the and you can scope these things out online in advance oh, yeah. and figure out okay well what's nearby my hotel that is within walking distance and where do I go and then that's actually a, quite a, a motivating thing that when you plan it out in advance and you say okay I'm going to on this day I'm going to go here and then here and then here and then loop back and it's going to be like five, six, seven mile walk, then it once you you have it all planned out, it's nothing that you have to force yourself to do. You're excited to do it and you're gonna get out and make it happen. Well I'm finding this is so much as it as I get older, you know, it's like what do they say? It's eighty, eighty five percent diet really kind of in terms of maintaining your body yeah, weight, yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's when I get you know, because you, you do have this mentality when you travel, even though I travel so much, I'm on holiday. You know, I don't usually do dessert. Well, we're here. Yeah. You know, I'm in Italy. I'm gonna not gonna have gelato. You know yeah, I mean? it's it <laughs> is a mentality. A little bit. If you travel a lot, then you have to exert more control. Yeah, I mean, right. For me, where I don't travel too much, and most of the time I'm at home and being really good. If I'm traveling a lot, I'm like, okay, you know, I can I can go a little hog wild. My bigger issue is alcohol when I travel. I have a tendency to drink oh, yeah. too much. Yeah. You want to go, hey, it's, I'm traveling. I'm going to a bar. <laughs> it's like, uh, but those, like, cruises and all-inclusive things, it's just, it, I think it almost encourages people to eat way too much. And you see people just, like, it, they feel like they have to get their money's worth if they just I know. keep eating. And it's, it's really horrible. It's that get a good deal yeah. mentality. I can't leave until I can barely walk. And when we were at the Club Med, um, the uh, the food was so good. I'd been to another all-inclusive uh, years ago where the food was crap, and mm-hmm. so it wasn't too hard. And whereas at Club Med, their food was really good. So what I did was I got up and I ran like eight miles every morning. <laughs> And they had a good gym there, so I worked out too. Because I'm not working. I have, you can only lay on the beach so long. And uh, when I go on vacation, even though I exercise a lot when I'm at home, I exercise like twice as much when I'm on vacation because I have the time. So why not? And, you know, you get to run along a beautiful coastal environment with palm trees and, you know, women in bikini walking walking by. That's not too hard to take. And then, you know, later on, you can go swim in one of the most beautiful beaches and, and go snorkeling with your kids. And they have trapeze set up and, and <laughs> water skiing and, and so much stuff that you can do that is way more calories that burned than sitting poolside. Or, you, you know, you can hike up pyramids and, and all that kind of stuff that, uh, that I could go nuts on the food. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, we were there for 10 days and I didn't lose any weight, but I didn't gain any weight, which was good. (laughs) That's a win. Yeah, absolutely. Because it let me eat like mad. And the one thing that I didn't, that another good strategy was that alcohol is the one that can really mess you up. 
because it's so easy to take in a ton of calories, especially when it's like a 500-calorie pina colada or margarita mm-hmm. or something like that. But the other thing is that that if you're constantly drinking alcohol, it's just going to make you lazy. You're going to stop moving. You're going to be too hungover to work out the next day. So what I I like to do my my weightlifting workout later in the day. So run really early when it when it's not too hot, and then you know swim in the ocean, read my book, uh, beachside that kind of stuff, and then go hit the gym around four o'clock because that way it makes it so that I don't consume any alcohol before I do that gym trip because you don't want to go lifting heavy stuff when you've pounded a few beers. It's yeah. just a bad idea. <laughs> so it forces you to delay it so that after five o'clock, okay, now I can drink. And fortunately, you know, the beer that they have at these places is kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not really good beer. So <laughs> after about three, you're like, yeah, okay, I'm yeah. good. And I'm not going to go start pounding tequila or anything. So, Well, if you I, do do another uh, hol- uh, marathon, I recommend the the uh, Honolulu one just for the fact that or anyone anywhere near like a tropical kind of ocean yeah. because when I crossed the finish line you know, I, I took like six hours or whatever I mean I took like a long time but I was in a group and yeah. if one person stopped we all stopped it was all yeah. about fun and, you know, oh yeah just getting through we were a team at that point yeah. I would never race a marathon for time again no. I've done it for the, with the purpose of being fast it took me like halfway through to realize that, wait a minute I'm not going to win this thing <laughs> <laughs> Some five Kenyan guys are going to win this thing, and then the rest of us are just finishing. Yeah. You might as well enjoy it. Yeah. But, you know, it was hard. So by the time we finished, you know, we sit, we got our medals, we're, you know, they rubbed our legs down a little bit. and But we still had to walk on Waikiki down the, I had to walk like a few blocks back to the hotel. Yeah. And it was just a slow, I mean, I said my coach was there, and I said, oh, I don't know if I'll make it. She goes, jump in the water, jump in the ocean. Yeah. And I went, really? She goes, yeah, going. And I just, like, went to the beach, took off everything but my shorts, and just walked into the ocean and just floated. It was the best feeling I think I ever had. I did that uh, when we were in Cancun because it was a month before the Boston Marathon. Oh. And I was, I talked about running every morning there. So and then it was, you're working up, you, you're all yeah, running you're I was training. Miles. Yeah, I was training and I, I did a long, I did a, a half marathon one morning, just a two-hour half marathon one morning. And got back and did the exact same thing before I went back to the room, took off the, the <laughs> uh, socks and shoes and the iPod and, uh, and just wandered right in and wearing the shorts and, and soaked for a bit. The one nice. thing about Honolulu is uh, they start so early because the heat, I guess. So. Yeah, it's like 5 a.m. or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. We had to line up at um, like almost 2, 3 in the morning. So it's dark and you know, we're all, and then you have to start yeah. downtown. And you go up around uh, Diamond Head in mm-hmm. Honolulu. So you basically go way up the mountain, way back down. Yeah. But I was running. In, when you met at the foot of the mountain, of course, it was like mile six and a mile like 23. Yeah. When you, from six is when you're starting to go up, and then you come back, and so they pass each other. Yeah. And by the time I hit like six, the, I see this big crowd, and, the, and I hear all these cheers, and I see like the winners. Yeah, <laughs> already going, and they are flying. I couldn't believe it. And they're on mile twenty-three. Yeah, and I'm looking at them like they're almost done. That was Sons the pitch. That was the same thing with um, the Victoria Marathon because it's a small one. It's only about twenty-five hundred people. Oh, okay. um, although I was a little further along when I saw that. No, yeah, I have. I've had that. I did a half marathon, and we all started at the same time. Yeah, and there was a. We all started together. There was a full in the same. This is Pasadena, I think. And so the full went on there. We broke off, and the full marathon people went on theirs, and we kept on ours. And then we met up again at the same finish line. And again, I was crossing on my half at around, you know, two, 
something. Yeah. And here comes this big cheer, and I think they're everybody. Oh, look, they're so they're cheering for me. What a friendly crowd! <laughs> and then the winner of the marathon <laughs> is coming right behind me, and he blows past <sighs> me in the stretch. I was like, you son of a bitch. I can't believe how fast yeah. they go it's, after 26 it's, miles. It's pretty humbling. <laughs> and their heads aren't even bobbing. It's just like... Yeah, they just glide along. Oh, no, it's incredible. So where is your... Uh, you have a new project coming out? Is this a book or something? You're um, Well, I'm working on some ideas for a book with my agent right now. Nothing I can really talk about, but people that want to keep up to date with me. Um, I blog regularly. I've got quite a popular blog at bodyforwife.com. And uh, I'm very active on my Facebook page. I got a big following there, uh, which is slash Body for Wife. Um, Twitter, I do, even though I don't like it because I'm long-winded. <laughs> that's also slash Body for Wife. Okay. Now, with the name, I have to ask you about the Body for Wife. Where did that come from? Um, you know, it's uh, there, there's a fair bit of truth to it because, like I said, I was I was an overweight guy. I'd really gotten out of shape. I got the freshman 15 factored by about three, right. and we came back from uh, vacation. And back when people used to develop pictures, we got the photos back from the developer and said, "Wow, I'm fat." And I had intended that I was going to propose to my live-in girlfriend. And uh, and I thought, you know, maybe I should get in shape first. I would, <laughs> she would have said yes anyway. She's not shallow like that. But it, it just seemed like a good idea. It was a good impetus that it just struck me that one moment that if, I'm going to get in shape first before I decide to propose to, uh, to this wonderful woman. And so I did that. But it was years later. It was like 10 years later where I was working with these guys in a technology company. And we used to go to the gym together all the time. And this this program called Body for Life was really popular. It yeah. was It's one of the best-selling get-in-shape books of all time. Sold millions of copies and, and pushed uh, the EAS supplement brand and all that kind of stuff. And these guys were doing the workout, the Body for Life workouts. And they were taking all the, the creatine and protein powders and all that kind of stuff. But I was in better shape than they were. <laughs> and one day in the locker room, one of them said, James, like, what's your secret? And I just laughed and I said, I'm on the Body for Wife program. And one of the guys said, oh, you should write that book. I would buy that book. And I bought the URL that day and parked it. And four or five years later, I, I decided to, to start writing and got a few articles published here and there. And and then it one turned into a column, and boom, it just kind of took off after that. Well, I know you, you the big thing of what you do is you kind of debunk a lot of the whatever the trendy kind of diet of the month is. Yeah, diets are one of the things that, that when you rip into a stupid diet, those articles have a tendency to go viral. They get I'm, legs, not, huh? I'm, I'm not sure why, but I wrote an article called Paleo is the Scientology of Diets, and it got like 25,000 Facebook likes. Because I had a cousin who did the paleo thing, and he did lose a lot of weight. Because he, he, well, yeah. he was also doing the CrossFit. Yeah. You don't like CrossFit either? Not really, no. Okay. And he, <laughs> I don't hate it, but I, okay. it has some problems. But I, yeah, I heard one of those problems is injuries, and he did hurt himself. Yeah. It, I think he was climbing a rope and fell off or something like that. Yeah, it's so there's I mean there's there's that aspect of it. There's the traumatic injury, which I think is less likely than the repetitive strain injury, because what you're doing is it's fundamentally flawed at its core, which and I'm sure that some CrossFit people that hear this will freak out all over me. I just had a instructor you know, last night. You know, send me hate mail, James at bodyforwife.com. <laughs> it won't be anything I haven't heard before. Uh, but the problem is you take a highly complex exercise and then you add in high weight 
high repetition and high speed. Those four things in concert is what the program is built around. No matter how safe you try to make that, no matter how good you work on proper form and that kind of stuff, putting those four things together is a recipe for disaster. And then you add in the fact that they don't periodize things. There's no like light and heavy days. It's balls out every day. They have puke buckets there. And uh, it's just... doesn't sound enjoyable. Yeah, but the thing is that a lot of people do find it enjoyable. The one thing that I praise CrossFit for is adherence and motivation, that they create a very team-based, you know, we're special, we're elite kind of environment. And if you miss a workout, it's like, where the hell were you, man? They're they're really good at motivating each other, and people really get into it. If you have a bulletproof body that can take the punishment and, you know, you're some kind of mutant that doesn't get injured, it's awesome. But I think in my 40s now, I think... uh, my risk of injury is, is more. Oh, yeah. I've got issues. I've got bulging discs in my low yeah. back. There's no way I'm doing CrossFit. It's because the thing is that, you know, people get running injuries, too. And, you know, basketball is can be hard on your knees. And, and skiing, like, running injuries happen all the time. I'm not saying that, that running is, is no, I safer. I heard running, too. The problem that I have with CrossFit is that it takes what is actually one of the safest activities there is, which is weightlifting. When, you, when you're doing weightlifting properly, it's incredibly safe. Not only that, but it, it hardens you against injury and other activities. I think every runner should be a weightlifter. Mm-hmm. But it seems to take a safe activity and a relish. Now, there we go. There's yeah. the airport announcement again. Um, so it takes that very safe activity and seems to relish in making it unsafe. And that's that's the issue I have with it. Okay. So um, do you have any trips coming up? Where's your next big trip? Any more traveling um, in your future? Well, actually, we are going to Japan in Ooh. August uh, for the World Karate Championships. You do karate? I don't, but my wife is a second-degree black belt. Oh, my God. My son is a black belt, and my daughter will be testing, grading for her black belt while we're in Japan. And both the kids are going to be competing in Japan. So that's, they're going to get their asses kicked. (laughs) There's no doubt about it. You know, they're good, but they're not international. They're not Japan good. But it's it's going to be an amazing experience. For You've them. never been. I've never been to it's Japan. It's a really cool. So it's in Tokyo. Uh, a couple of different places. We're going to be in Tokyo, and I think we're going to be in Nagoya. Um, so we'll be traveling around a bit and trying to live as authentic as we can. And take the uh, bullet train. Yeah, we'll be bullet doing that. Cool. We'll be doing that and bring uh, money. And uh, yeah, we'll bring yeah, money for sure. Uh, it's a little pricey. I, I bet. And I'll be I'll be writing about the karate tournaments probably for Ask Men or Men's Health or something okay. like that, and uh, be posting articles uh, from Japan about what's going on. And and so I'll be able to write my portion of the trip off a bit. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, finally, what is your main motivation and? and reason for doing what you do and what what's the master plan what do you want to do where's it all headed in terms of career well i uh i would like to get a a major u.s book deal you know i I had my first book's been published by random house canada and done very well but my agent told me that you know the united states is ground zero for stupid diet books and we uh, we we like to be number one in things yeah you know i could come up (laughs) with like the zodiac sign diet and and write a, a a book seemingly convincing book about you know oh you're a gemini you need to 
divide your food into twin groups or some crap like that. Yeah. <laughs> Cancer should only eat crab meat or I don't know. Or the blood diet. Or, blood or, type or, diet. Yeah, or, blood type diet. Seven million copies sold. Really? And paleo is... It's it's this interesting concept. Eat like a caveman. Sounds really cool. Totally full of crap, but sounds neat. So, <laughs> um, so we've been talking about you know what can be this sort of transformative idea that I, that I can have, and I think I've got it. The you know we're we're working on it the, because my issue is one of ethics. <laughs> yeah. It, if well, you gotta get rid of that. That's, yeah, yeah. If that's, I want that's slowing you down, I, I could have jumped on that paleo bandwagon years ago and, <laughs> yeah. and hit the New York Times bestseller list, no problem. But I look at it instead. I'm the guy saying that's bullshit, and that doesn't sell as well when you're the guy that's pointing the fingers and saying what's wrong scientifically. Mm-hmm. You know, skepticism's a hard sell. But I think I found something that is a unique sort of life health transformation that includes fitness, weight loss, but also, you know, happiness and relationships and that kind of stuff. Because I like to think I'm a happy guy. I've been with the same woman for 25 years and we're happy. Still making it work. And, you know, if Tony Robbins can... uh, can go through divorces and infidelity and write uh, best-selling relationship <laughs> advice, then why the hell can't I? Oh, if you peel back the layers <laughs> of all these gurus, you're going to find a lot of dark stuff. Oh, Tony Robbins, the one thing he's good at is convincing everyone that he's really good at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a talent in itself. I mean, it's sales. Yeah. It's basically just sales. Yeah, and so, and I worked in sales and marketing, so why yeah, not? I mean, you got that part. But if I can, if I can, um, come up with a, an idea that, that is more based around, okay, well, here is how, you know, you want to be a better person at stuff that includes health, fitness, weight loss, then then that's the current idea I'm working on. Cool. And give the website one more time. Bodyforwife.com. Bodyforwife.com. Man, it's great to see you. Oh, good to see Thanks you too, Thanks for coming meeting me at the airport. Hey. And I apologize to everybody out for the announcements you've heard, but they uh, do have validity. It made it Keep authentic. an eye on your valuables all the time. Yeah, it made it authentic. <laughs> now i got to go change my money before I leave. Yeah. You, you want some Canadian dollars? I'm uh, going to take a hit here. I, I don't need any U.S. money, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thanks, man. It's good to see you. Yeah, take care. Bye.